welcome to Semper Sometimes with Benny. So um, I got Gunnery Sergeant Flores with us. Um, some of you may know who he is. Some of you may not know who he is. I'll definitely tag his Instagram um, on the account. But uh, Gunnery Sergeant Flores just recently got his, his PhD um, while being enlisted in the Marine Corps. So he's going to talk to us about, you know, a lot of stuff today. Um, and I'm really excited to have, have him as a guest. He'll be our first doctor on the show. Um, and uh, just really excited to talk to him about all the different things that he's done in his career thus far. Um, so without further ado, welcome, Gunnery Sergeant. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Um, so just kind of, if you don't mind, give us a background on who on who you are, you know, who, you know, where did you come from? How did you grow up type thing? And uh, we'll kind of just go from there. All right. Yeah. Um, like you said, I'm going to sound Flores. Uh, just 32, um, like last week, originally from San Antonio, Texas. I grew up in a small town, called Catula. Uh, grew up there, large family. I was blessed to have both my mom and dad, um, large family, um, one sister, she's the oldest, I'm the oldest boy, and then five younger brothers. So grew up in South Texas, um, grew kind of poor, not, not, nothing crazy. Um, but you know, obviously we, we, with a large family, my parents did what they had to do to support us. We didn't really have, you know, the best upbringing, uh, in, in that regard, but you know, we're always happy. we uh, we were raised in a Christian home. Um, so I think that's what kind of like started my values, um, then grew up again because we did grow up poor. I, I didn't have the funding to go to college. We didn't have a car. We didn't have anything. Um, so my senior year of high school, I ran into uh, and, and I was never it was never my endeavor to join the military either. Okay. Uh, ran to the recruiter. Um, told you know made me realize that I had an idea. I didn't have a plan. Mm. Uh, and then joined the military, and then from there, um, you know, that's really where my career started. Damn. So you just, so this, was it anything? So now did you run into him? Did he run into you? Like, how did that whole thing happen? Like, is, yeah, it, so, is it? Yeah. So he was, um, they were doing a career fair in the gym. And by this time, so one thing that people don't know, really know about me is that I actually like in middle school and elementary, I was actually like really fat. Oh, really? <laughs> like, I was overweight. And, um, it's, it's actually a funny story because then my, eighth grade year no my sixth seventh grade i i worked up the confidence to ask this girl out, like to be my girlfriend and she was like no like i like athletic guys and so she completely turned me down in front of the whole school and so that was like really embarrassing from there i started running every day so i got to start running every day and i lost all the way and i actually got really good at running so um and the reason i say that because by the time now i'm a senior not only was i like the most approved but i was actually like one of the, be the best athletes in my high school because as a result of that rejection. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I had a, uh, a scholarship to run track. Mm -hmm. um, at so so kudos to her, right? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah, it was good. And it, it's, it's one of those funny, like, later on, she ended up yeah. liking me. Now I'm good. Like, you know, like me then? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, so my senior year, um, because I had, I, I thought I was banking on that scholarship. You know, I was going to career fair. I was like, I already know my plan, but I'll just go. Um, I was walking. Went to get out of class. Yeah, we yeah we're just from. <laughs> uh, um, so I was with my my best friend, and we we're just walking in, kind of like we owned the school, and then uh, I the Marine Corps recruiter making everybody push ups for um 
making everybody do push-ups for like this little, uh, the dog tags, little Marine Corps um, dog tags. And he's making everybody do, and I walk up and I'm like, what are y'all doing? They're like, we're trying to earn a dog tag. If you do 50 push-ups, you get this dog tag. And uh, the recruiter looks at me and then he looks at his, at his paper and then he looks back at me and he hands me one of them. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not gonna like, bro, I'm good. Like, I'm not gonna get down and be pushing. He was like, no, like you, you can have it. And then everybody gets mad, like, why? He was like, this guy's gonna make a good ring one day. And I was like, hell no, this was in 07. So we're at. Oh Florida. shit. So he, he yeah. played you. <laughs> I like this guy. So he just yeah. handed you one, made, didn't even make you do pushes. He's like, he's gonna be, oh shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He called it. He was like, I have a gift. Um, and I, I could tell, like, he's, he's, he's gonna be bringing one, he's gonna make a good Marine. And I was like, hell no, like, like, no, not me. I was like, I'm not going to military. And then at that time, again, uh, it was, we were at war at Raxwell, the casualty rates, like, it was all over the news, mm-hmm. newspaper. There was just a lot of um, fear in regards to that. So I was like, no, I'm not, like, why would I join the military and go to Iraq and get killed when I, you know, I got a scholarship here? Um, but he was just like, check it out. Cause his, the recruit station to where my high school is about an hour drive. Mm-hmm. So he said, like, hey, tomorrow I'm going to come back in the library. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to sit down, you know, have an appointment. But I was like, all right, man, I'll, I'll see if I'm not busy. But uh, so then he came back the next day, and I was actually, now I was walking with my girlfriend. And then I told her, I was like, hey, you know, the Marines are trying to recruit me. And she's like, if you join the, the military for the Marines, like, I'm leaving you. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to sit around and wait. And I was like, no, nah, you know, I was like, I love you. I'm, that time I was like, there's nothing's going to get me to join the military. Like, I already had my plan. Mm-hmm. So like one foot out the door and then I was I saw him and I saw the, the deltas the tres blue deltas and I was like damn they, they do look good though I was like this guy drove an hour like lives like let me uh at least give him 15 minutes of my time because he didn't say anything he saw me and, he saw, and I just kept walking and he didn't say anything he didn't stop me he just so I came back and then yeah man from there we ended up becoming really good friends but he showed me uh you know all the benefits that the Marine Corps and the opportunities the Marine Corps has and I was like you know, I thought about it. And I was like, this is something that I can truly see myself. You know? So, um, is that this is something I could truly see myself doing. And when I told my parents, they freaked out. Mom was like, hell no. My dad said he would disown me if I joined the military or the Marine Corps. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, everybody said no. My girlfriend said she'd leave me. Everybody that I loved or cared about was like, don't do it. But I just had this calling. I like though I would YouTube videos. I would. I became obsessed with the Marine Corps, and I was like, "It's something I want to do." You know, I turned out my scholars. So, what do you think it was? Do you think it was just like the fact of how this guy was talking to you? Like, was it the way that like? What do you think it was? Because well, like a lot of what I'm, I'm, you know, like the way you're talking is like a lot of Marines when, and we'll talk about this when we talk about when you get on recruiting duty, but. You know, there's different styles of approaches and yeah. the approach that your guys that this recruiter is going at is is one I like a lot. And that was kind of my approach. Like, hey, I'm going to tell you we're going to do this. Like he said, oh, tomorrow we're going to meet in the library. And then you were like, oh, shit. And it, and then, you you know, you gave him that time and stuff. So do you think it was his approach? Like, what do you think it was that made you just completely switch around? Yeah. So once we started talking, I realized that he was actually so he he knew who I was um he knew a lot of information about me through the coaches you know because he builds rapport with the coaches so he already knew a lot about me so by the time we sat down for that appointment he was like um he was just kind of like looking at 
who I was really dissecting. And I think what really got me was his approach. Plus he said that he was like, you're the type of guy that constantly needs to be um, challenged. You know, like you do something like you need, you need the next step because you're not an average guy. You're very ambitious. And he saw this like pretty, pretty early. Uh, he goes, if you go to college, like everybody goes to college, like you're not going to be fulfilled, which, and then that kind of struck a chord because when I did get my acceptance letter to my dream university, I was not happy. I was just like, you know, not like I thought I was going to be. So he was like, I feel like, you know, there's something missing. You know, with the Marine Corps, there's endless opportunities. There's endless challenges. You're going to be among like top tier, um, you know, people and in the world. He goes, and that's what you're going to be competing with. You know, that's going to make you better. You might not be yeah. the best. So I think that's what really got me was the opportunity like to grow and, and never mm. I told, never settle, never go to a corporation and just, you know, earn a position and, and stay static for years. So I think it was that, um, but definitely his approach it too. He just, because I guess, cause he knew me and he knew that about me. So that's what really, really kind of like launched it. Um, and, you know, and, and clearly from what you're saying, you know, with him talking about, you know, constantly moving up and constantly being around other people and fighting, you know, and not getting stagnant. Clearly you've shown that through your career. Um, so I guess my next question would be, you joined the Marine Corps. How now, now were you old enough to sign or no? Like did, what happened with mom and dad? Cause I know you said they were completely against it too. So like, how did that all go down? Yeah, no, that's a good question because um, no, I was 17. So I didn't need parental consent from both parents. Um, and they were not going to sign. Um, and then I finally, they, they make, my mom made me make her a promise. She said, if I sign the, you know, the PC, the friends of consent, you're like, you will go to college. She's like, I don't care if you're in Iraq. I don't care if you're in Afghanistan. I don't care if you're on a ship, you're going to go to college. You're going to get a degree. Cause I, I would be the first in my family at that time. Cause my sister went to college and she dropped out. So she was like, you're, you need to be the example. And then my father, um, it's a little, childish at the time but he said that he would sign but he's going to disown me like i'm not his son um because he was he was really upset so he signed he was like all right i'm not going to speak to you you know when I, until you get back um so that was kind of like our it was like just give you you know listen to what your mom said go to college and so that was what really um started me to go to school at such because as soon as i joined the marine corps uh, and i got to my first duty station i started going to college right away started taking night classes to fulfill that promise um so that's what how i was able to get them on board but at, once i graduated uh recruit training once i graduated came back um you know it was a different mindset my dad was extremely proud bragging about me you know not not only i'm his son again but he was bragging yeah. about me wearing marine corps t-shirt yeah. do this and that's the thing man is that you know a lot of people you know, you were a recruiter. I was a recruiter. Like you get, you hear that stuff all the time, you know, people's parents, I'm going to disown you. I'm going to stop talking to you. I'm going to do all these things. And like, I don't, you know, it's to me, you know, I'm a parent. Um, I know you're a parent. Like, I don't know what goes through people's minds when they say stuff like that. Um, you know, and I try to explain the parents. I'm like, listen, your son going through this time, your son's going to need someone that believes in him. And the last thing that he wants is someone who doesn't believe in him. Um, you know, and you know, I think it's crazy, but it's a good hearing your story because a lot of people end up not joining. Like I have, or I got a 28 year old uh, man that I put in the Marine Corps because he, his parents told him at 18 that they would disown him. And then 10 years later, he was like, you know what, man, I'm just going to do it. 
you know, and he finally did it. And now mom and dad are proud, you know, so it's, you know, it's definitely crazy, you know, so my, another question I would have would, you know, so while this was going on, dad saying you're, he's going to disown you, your family's not really happy about it. What do you think it was that kind of made you continue to pursue it and not back off? Like, like a lot of people do a lot of people back off and they're like, my family is not going to support me. My family's not going to be there for me. You know what? It's whatever. It's not worth it. Like, what was it? Was it just the, the fact of like, you know, the videos and your recruiter, like, what was it? Or did you have like a deeper, like yes. something inside of you? Like just telling you, like, was God like in your ear? Like, Hey man, like what was going on? Yeah. So, oh, I, like I said, I am a, a man of faith. So I, I relied on that. You know, I told, I told my dad, like, you know, I know God's, you raised me and said, Oh baby, I do, you know, have faith and trust in God. He goes, I could be at a library and get shot. I can be down the street and get shot. I can, you know, Earthquakes happen all the time, tornadoes. So I was like, it doesn't matter. I'm not, because what he was, his uh, reasoning was like, I'm not going to sign so that you can go um, war and come back in a body bag. I was like, well, regardless of where I'm at, like if I'm, when it's my time to go, it's my time to go. Yeah. But to answer your question, the what really, really was my drive, my wife, because I was the oldest boy. And, so, and I knew that by my example, my little brothers, because they, they, um, Follow me to anything I would do, what I would wear, the way I would wear my hair. They followed me, you know, to the end. So I knew that if I didn't do something with my life, you know, become a, a positive role model, that they're not, they're going to follow. So if I just went to college, came back, kind of like my sister did, then they were going to do the same. So I knew that I was put in an early leadership position with my younger brothers. So, well, everybody that loved me said, don't do it. Um, I did feel I was like, I'm not, I'm not average. I'm not. I'm not your average guy. Like I need to go do something. And this is like my calling, even if it was a stepping stone. Um, but I needed to get out. I needed to get out of my hometown and then make a name for myself and kind of pave the way. So my mentality time was like, I'm going, but I'm paving the way for my little brothers, you yeah. know? Um, and then at the time, I remember I mentioned that my family was poor too. So yeah, I was I remember, like, yeah. so that I can one day buy a house for my mom, you know? So I had all these little personal ambition, um, ambitions so i stuck to it i was like i and i put my faith in god i was like god i know you would take care of me because uh, i was scared i was terrified i didn't really have the backing that uh, a lot of people do i took a leap of faith and then uh, like i said i'm glad that i was able to stick through it but i felt like the more people were saying don't do it i felt like to me that was like i'm gonna reestablish faith in them because once i did i showed my dad he was just like, yeah, I, I, I shouldn't have questioned you. You know, he was scared. You know, I was his first boy to leave. Um, so I think that's what really was was the role that I was playing as, as the oldest sibling. Gotcha. So, um, so from there, you joined the Marine Corps. You go to boot camp. But how was what job did you pick? What did you? What's your MOS in the Marine Corps? Um, kind of just run through. You know, how, like the, how did you? How did you continue to do your education? Like. You know, how did you, and especially the beginning, you know, and I, and I asked that question because, you know, a lot of people say that, you know, a lot of people say, hey, I'm going to go to college, I'm going to do this. And then all of a sudden, PFC drinking in the Marine Corps, Lance Cobble drinking in the Marine Corps, start going to strip clubs, you start going out and doing all these other things, and you forget about the promises that you make to people. Um, and you also, you just kind of get lackadaisical. So what was going on through you, especially in those younger years of your career, you know, that you were able to actually continue through this and, you know, deployments or anything like that. Like what was, how was that first four years for you? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so I joined, uh, my original job was supply. I was supposed okay. to be, 
but then I end up uh, changing it because I want it to I want it to be more hands on. So I end up changing it to uh, transportation, so motor transportation. Okay. Yeah, so I joined at the Marine Corps uh, or did uh, recruit training. A West Coast graduate, I was with Bravo Company, graduated, and then um, went to MO school. And originally, I was like, before I knew anything about the Marine Corps, I told my recruit, I want to get stationed in Texas because I want to be back home. And then he was like, yeah, that's not possible. Like, that's not going to happen. If anything, you and I told him I didn't want to deploy and I want to get stationed in Texas. And my recruit was like, check it out. Like, you're not going to get stationed in Texas. You're probably going to go overseas. And at the first opportunity, you're probably going to get deployed. And I was like, why the hell would I join? Like, if that's if that's going to be the case, like, why would I join? He was like, I'd rather tell you worst case scenario than promise you something I can't give you. So, and that's one thing that with him was uh, honesty, you know, very, yeah. very. Um, but then I joined and then I was at MOS school. And then came the opportunity to choose where you want, what coast you wanted to go. And I don't know, like, because I was already thinking, like, I'll just go to California. I'll be close. And then that morning that I woke up, I was just like, um, I felt like God was talking to me. He was like, go overseas, go overseas. You know, I was, I'm a, I'll be straight on my mom. I'm a mama's boy. So I like, wanted to be close to my mom. I wanted to be close to my family. But then that day, and they were like, hey, if you want to go overseas, come in this line. Nobody got up. And then I felt like I need to go. I, I need to go overseas and take a leap of faith again. Um, so I got up and I went, went to overseas line. And then they're like, "Where do you want to go?" I was like, "Japan." And they're like, "Yeah, well, like you're not going to get your fish orders today, but we can guarantee you're going to go to Japan." So that was my first duty station. Went to Japan, uh, but I had like little. Um, I, I employed like little measures for me to to ensure that I stayed on track. Kind of like we said, like I didn't I didn't drink the entire time I was Okinawa. Wow, um, really. I, yeah, I, I made myself. I made myself. I'm saying I'm not gonna drink until I'm 25, just so oh, that shit. I could 17 to 25. I never drink. Um, hold, but, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop, stop. So you made yourself a promise that you weren't gonna drink from 17 to 25 years old. Yes. Then you decided that you were gonna go to Japan. Yes. And then you got the you got stationed in Japan, and then yes. you spent your first enlistment sober. Yes. Surrounded by Marines who all they do nine times out of ten is drink. <laughs> yeah, it was tough. So, yeah. bro, I got to ask, man, how did you and the, and again, the reason why I'm trying to understand this is because there's a lot of Marines out there who come from. And, and again, this isn't towards one person, towards another person, but there's a lot of Marines who come out into the Marine Corps and who are faithful people, you know, a lot of Christians or other religions, and they give it up due to peer pressure, due to people being around them, um, or people who just never drank. Like I have friends of mine who literally never smoked, never drank, joined the Marine Corps, and then all of a sudden, now they're the biggest smokers and drinkers I know. So my question for you is, what was going on? Like, was it just your strong faith? Was it mentality, physical fitness? Like, what? how did you do this for eight years, you know, can commit yourself to this promise and see it through? Yeah, uh, so I did. Um, I did grow up seeing my dad. My dad used to drink a lot, and I, he used to. I, and I'm not proud of it, but you know, it is. It is what it is. He would beat my mom, mm -hmm. um, and so I grew up seeing that, and so I knew the effects that alcohol had because that's the only, you know that's what I saw. So yeah. I knew I, was, I don't want. I don't want to do that. To um, I don't want to derail my. Um, I want to derail my career because it hasn't even started. Mm -hmm. so, iteration and then going back to what i was saying i was a role model for my brothers so i knew if i started drinking they're gonna start as soon as because i'm telling you that everything that i would do they would they would pick up um so that was like my 
promised them was like, I'm not drinking, I'm not gonna do anything. And then even when I when there in Japan, I witnessed a lot of careers get destroyed because of DUIs, um, you know, fights. I saw I witnessed a lot of it. And I was like, I don't want for the plan that I have, you know, and, and the journey that I want to take. I was like, if I start drinking now, like I'm never gonna make it. You know, I'm gonna create more roadblocks. Um so, but you're right. There was a lot of peer pressure, everything. Even I deployed and came back and they're like, hey, we're going to take a shot. I'm like, I'm not, you know, and we lost people. And so like in, in honor of them, I was like, I can honor them without drinking. Yeah. You know, so I did a lot of pushback and they, they took it as disrespect, which I could see, but I was like, hey, you got to, you got to honor my values. Like I've never drank in my life. So why would I start now? Yeah. You know, like, oh, you know, we got to remember so-and-so. And I was like, I'm, I'll go on a like 10 mile run for him, but I'm not, I can't drink, you know, like it's not my plan. It's not, I can't get derailed. Um, even with the women, the women would go out and they were like, hey, let's take a drink. I'm like, I'm not. And they're like, are you gay or what? I'm like, no, I just, I don't drink. And they're like, like, why? And I was like, because cause I don't. They're like, are you Mormon? And I, I didn't want to explain to them. But I was like, are you um, Mormon? And so, yeah. it's, you know, and it's funny that, you know, because I had this conversation with one of my buddies on, on an older uh, episode. And we talked about it because he's a, uh, he's been clean. He's been, um sober for four years and he's in the marine corps and he started his journey of being sober in japan um and you know i, I mean him were just talking about it and i was like listen like, i i once in a while i have a drink you know i used to have, there was a time where i drink a lot now i just drink once in a blue moon or you know if i have you know a couple right and um you know it just me and him were talking about it and we were just like you know it's really effed up because if anybody if you ever go to someone's house right they walk in your door first thing you're always going to do is you're always going to say hey do you want a drink you just say, hey, do you want to drink? And if they say, yeah, I have a water, a lot of people are like, why? It's like, bro, why do you care? Like, why do you have to care what they're choosing to drink? And then also, why do you have to make a big deal out of it? And it's like, you know, and like you're talking about, like, it's nobody else's business why you're choosing to not drink. Right. Like, and especially people who don't know you. It's not like me and you've been friends for 15 years and like I owe you an explanation. And even then, there's no explanation needed because it's my body i'm choosing to not drink but you know it's kind of effed up when people think they they're owed an explanation like oh why not and then it's like because well, i don't want to like you know yeah. and it's so so realistically you just kind of it was excuse me so it was for your promises that you kept it it was Correct. like you you're for your family for your upbringing for the people around you um now you said you deploy at that time you also had deployed correct how how was that for you? Oh, did, so you the, did you have any issues coming back? Did you any kind of you know anger, frustration, mental mental issues, or or how yeah. was the deployment? Did you love it? Did you have a great time? Like, yeah, I went through um, I went through like a, a really bad heartbreak right before that. So the deployment was actually therapeutic because I was able to get away and, and you know fulfill a, a purpose. So it was really good. But I, I, it was a, a volunteer, so I was an um, individual augmentee. Volunteer mm -hmm. side, uh, another unit because I was at that time I was in a non deployable unit. Oh, okay. So I was like, unless, um, you know, I volunteer, I try to get on again because I, I knew that I wanted to have a good career in the Marine Corps. Like, if I don't deploy, I don't have that history, I don't have that experience later on when I do move up in the ranks. It's going to be hard to mentor somebody if I've never experienced it. Yeah. Um, so I did, we went to uh, Kuwait. Um, we started in Kuwait when going to Baghdad, Iraq. And then we reflowed back to Kuwait and then we came back. But um, other I just met some really good, really good guys. Nothing crazy happened, you know, like to us. Um, didn't, 
didn't really experience any mental health issues when I came back I was just like your normal paranoia from being you know in, in country um mm-hmm. so that it, it take a while to uh to kind of adjust because like somebody would like grab me and I would like flinch or like or like when I'm asleep and they would come in and like kind of like tap like tap me to wake up I'd wake up like you know very paranoid but um I was able to because I at that time I was going for my bachelor's in psychology so it was very ironic that I was studying what I was actually going through as far as like um yeah I was so one of the questions I was going to ask you was I saw that pic there's a picture you have on your Instagram of you against you know a hut and you're taking you know so and I guess the picture is it's something about like a 10-hour convoy and now you're using so you were still going to college even while you were forward deployed okay so so here's a question for you right just because so you know I was a recruiter and I told people that you know hey man you can go to college hey man you can do all this I'm not gonna lie to you. I know how it works, but I don't know how the deep t- entails of it are. Um, can you kind of just explain to people how you were able to be in Japan, be overseas, go to college? Like, how were you able to achieve your bachelor's degree, you know, in this amount of time? And now, you know, your doctorate, you know, how were you able to do these things? Yeah, no, that's a good question. And I think the biggest excuse that people give themselves is they don't have time or they procrastinate. So I knew at that time that I had to, um, I had to, I was like, if I'm going to, I got to find a way, I got to find a way to do it. So in Japan, it was pretty easy because I was a non-deployable unit. So I would just go to night school. Um, so get off, get out of work around 16. And then around, it was like 1730 to like 20, 2030. I would go to school right after. And I would do that seven days a week or five days a week um, because I was actually attending on campus. But then I ended up switching to uh an online program when I deployed. So uh, every, 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 almost every, um, like Bob or every, everywhere overseas, there's always like a USO, somewhere where it's gonna have Wi-Fi. So what I would do is I would plan and either front load all my assignments at the beginning of the week or two weeks if I knew I was gonna be on a convoy. So I would front load all my assignments, uh, communicate with my instructor saying, hey, I'm, I'm deployed right now, I'm still gonna continue. And and they would they would take that pretty courageous like well that's that's good but if you need anything you know they're full support um, so either that or on the back end I was like hey I'm gonna be late because I'm not gonna be you know available because I don't have any network because um, there were a couple of times when I was on both deployments where they would go to like River City where they would cut all communication because there was a casualty um, so then but I would, when I would get back online I would tell them like hey I'm uh, I'm gonna be late or I need an extension. Um, and I would communicate, but I would, all my textbooks, I would um, either physically have them with me or I would save them as a PDF to my laptop. And I took my that laptop that I'm in the picture with, I would take that everywhere I go, every convoy, um, and I'll download my assignments. So whenever we have a, like downtime, I would pull it up and I would just do my assignment. Most times like writing essays, I would write my essays, save it. And then when I would get back to, you know, with Wi-Fi, I would just, you know, upload them. So. I was able to do that. Um, then I did join an artillery unit, and we're always in the field. But um, like they say, where there's a will, there's a way. So I would use my cell phone as a hotspot, you know, when we're because I was artillery and the guns would go cold, and then I would pull up my laptop and I would have internet connection. Um, and I would do that throughout, you know, throughout the day or again, front load all my assignments. So I was able to do that. Same thing with recruiting um, after hours. It's, it's switching the mindset because you, you're a recruiter too. So like, let's go to work like at 
seven in the morning and then I'll stay till I was always the last one to leave, like at 20 hundred, um, 20 or 22, close doors, turn off, whatever. I would stay at the, I would stay there at the office to avoid going home and getting complacent. So I'll stay at the office, close my, close my work laptop, shut down with Chris, and then I'll open up my personal laptop and start doing homework. So, so hold on, all right, hold on. So, so this is where I wanted, this is where I really wanted to get into. So you were on recruiting duty. Yes. And you were, so what time would you get to the office? Seven in the morning. And then you would be done with your job around what time? 22. So now at 2200, you would then pull out, you would put your clothes down with Chris, close out all your events, and then you will pull up your, your computer for school. And then you yeah. would sit at school, at, you would sit there for how long? So typically, if I start like at twenty two, I'll be down by midnight. Sometimes like zero one. And now, did you were you still were you still hitting the gym and shit throughout those times? Yeah, uh, still. Okay, so now I gotta understand this, man, because and again, like how what was like how were you doing? It's like, and I'm gonna ask the question because I know that any recruiters out here that are gonna listen to this episode are gonna say the age old phrase, "Well, he must have had a good AO." everybody's everybody's gonna say that (laughs) so did you did you have a good ao like how did you make this happen to where because you were also recruiter of the year right yes sir one time or twice oh just one time okay so you were recruiter of the year for and now so how did you do all this while going to college because i thought i was really good and then i started hearing your story and i was like yo i I got someone i got to be better than so so what was going on that you like, and how did you make it happen? Like, I, I think that's my, you know, besides the fact that clearly what I'm learning from you is that you make promises, you keep promises and you make shit happen. So my question is, is that, you know, while you're dealing with MEPS runs, poolies, your boss, the command element, PT, like, how are you also now adding college onto the top of this? Yeah. So one thing, um, yeah, because as you say it, I like super natural. Uh, one thing that I did learn how to master was using any type of negative, any um, anything that would happen in my life that was negative. I was able to use that energy and propel it towards something, you know, um, productive. So I I ended up in New York, but that's not where I wanted to go. I did a binding. Oh, yeah. Can you tell me about that? Because I saw that on your Instagram, too, that you were going to go to, you had a binding request in, and then you had some people from New York that were like, yo, you're going to be trash. So. Yeah. So I was going to go to, um, I was going to go to San Antonio, Texas, back to my hometown. I had a binding request. I had an apartment locked on at that time. Uh, High school sweetheart that I was with, we were engaged, right? We were going to get married. So I had this whole plan. Um. And then like a day before, or the day of district assignments, it, it's crazy how it all happened. In the morning, she woke up and found a sheet on me. So I left her that morning. Then I go on, yeah, then I go in to get, um, you know, my district assignment. I'm like, all right, well, at least I'm going to Texas. You know, I'll be my family. And they're like, Sergeant Florida's first district, New York. And I was like, what the hell? Like, so that just shattered Something's got to be wrong. You got yeah, the wrong Flores. Yeah, that's exactly what I said. Because there was two of us. And they're like, well, the other one's going to Florida, so... Um, there's like, no, nobody, none, none of the two of you are going to Texas. So I'll call my recruiter. I called the star major. I was like, the star major, they're sending me to New York. And he was like, oh, big dog. I got to talk to you. I was like, what's too late? He was like, yeah, man, I had to, I had to trade you away. I had to let you go. Um, cause I need a staff sergeant. I was like, why? And I was crying on the phone. Cause you know, I just, just got, you know, I just broke up. 
my whole plan shattered. So I was like, I, I need, I was like, I need to go to Texas. And he was like, nah, I'm, like, I need staff and seals. I need a station commander. Um, and he goes, so I, I, I traded you away and New York um, wanted you. Um, so they, they picked you up. And so I would tell him like, you know, trying to plead my case, like I can get promoted or, you know, I can go meritorious. That's my goal. I want to be a station commander. Like, give me a chance. And he was like, nah, man, like, Everybody says that. Everybody says they want to be American Tour. So I was like, I'm different. Like, I'll prove it to you. I was like, I'll, I will grind. He was like, nah, I got to let you go, brother. He was like, I, I got a meeting I got to go to. So hung up on me and I'm just like, you know, like, damn. All right, well, but to kind of answer yourself. So that energy that I had, I was like, all right, well, New York is where I'm going to go. That's where the Michael wants me. That's where I want to go and perform. So then I got to New York and they didn't accept me because I was, you know, tech. they can tell by the way I taught. Because New Yorkers have their own like culture, they have a, like very, it's very unique. They have their own language, very. Yeah, we do. <laughs> so they're very um, it's it's it, it's very easy to spot someone who's not from there. Yeah. So I went to talk to them. All the recruiters were from. They grew up from New York, so they were all New York natives. So when I got there, they they, they didn't accept me right away. Where were you, um, where were you at? I was in the Hamptons, Long oh. Island. Oh, you were in the Hamptons. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I feel like uh, that's got to be a hard area. It is. Everybody there has a plan. Nobody wants to join the Marine Corps over there. Yeah, and they're taking over, like, family businesses that are yeah. million dollars. Like, why would they join? Yeah. Um, so when I got there and I told them, I was like, they didn't accept me. And they said I was going to try. And they said I was going to, um, you know, I wasn't going to make it. And they were just very, very negative. Um, so then at the Marine Corps Bowl, when they announced, the at that time, the 2013 Recruit of the Year, I said in front of the RS, the entire RS, I was like, that's going to be me next year. I hadn't wrote a single contract. Like I was like, was still on par. They look at me and they're like, you? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, bro, you're not even from here. Like, you don't know how to talk to these kids. So I already had made that, like, that, um, I, I spoke it. I was like, that's, that's going to be me next year. Next year, I'm going to be the recruit of the year. So they laughed at me. They're like, hell no. And I think that's all this negative energy was the reason I would grind every day, you know, whenever... I want to like quit. I'm like, I know that they, they don't want me to succeed, you know, and it's not, they didn't want to, it's just, you know, how New Yorkers are, which I learned later on. Yeah. Um, it was just tough love, but I would think about that. I would think about, you know, the, the breakup that I went through. Um, Cause it really did damage like my self-esteem at that time. And I was like, I'm the best revenge to me is success. Mm. So instead of being depressed, instead of, um, you know, breaking down, I would propel that and use it to do something productive. So that was like my my daily grind. And then as I started moving up, um, success as a recruiter, that's what some, some, uh, some people started to believe like, damn, this guy's actually gonna do what he said. You know, he said he was gonna be the recruiter of the year without writing a single contract, not even being from here. But I just, I worked everybody. I worked them, I willed them, I'll determine. Um, you know, I was the first one there, last one to leave. You know, there's, if somebody wanted to come in the office like 10 o'clock in that, I was going to tell my boss, like, I'll be there. Like, I just, every possible way that I could, um, I just found a way to grind. So that, I would do that. I would do the gym during the day for, like, my decompression. Um, again, relied a lot on my religion. But, and throughout the, throughout, you know, recruiting's ups and downs. So there's a lot of negative things that happen on recruiting mm -hmm. duty. And I would, they were like, okay, well. This is what I need is my wake up call. Like, I'm just going to grind. I'm just going to grind harder. Um, so what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Like, what kind of negative things, if you don't want me asking? Well, because at that time, I didn't understand how to, like, write 
um, I don't know how to understand like the reports write numbers. So my boss manipulated me, would make me write like four or five contracts a month, you know, and a kid will go to Maps Allegate and say they're, they're, they're going to read you your rights, you know, and so I didn't know, I didn't know any better. Like this kid allegated, it was the only way, like I can get the RI to, you know, dismiss it if, if you write another contract. So I was like, oh yeah, it's easy. I'll go to now writing a six. Wait, what? Yeah. It was very what yeah that's it, crazy i didn't know i didn't know so at the time like i was again i was successful but i didn't feel that because mm. worst five i was just burnt out and, and on top of that too, like i said work on a master's on on that on that b billet so i was just i was always depressed i was always like um, so how were you doing this how were you doing this entire thing while being like so i, I know you said before you know your religion so did you did you like, do you pray? Like, did you pray a lot? Like, was that part of your schedule every day was to have time in prayer? And was that a lot of it too? Yeah, no, I mean, like just your, like in the mornings at night, you know, before meals. Um, but I'm not, I wasn't like, I would, I, I would stay strong to my faith, but I wasn't, um, I was obviously not, I didn't make time for like church or anything like that. So it's not yeah, like, I, well, yeah. Cause it's freaking, that's insane. Um, uh, but I just, I always had like, when I, when I made that to me, it was like my vision. I was like at the beginning at that ball, when I said, I'm going to be recruited, you're like, I meant it. So now I have to sustain that. So I would just remind myself where I wanted to be, you know, um, it sounds kind of cheesy, maybe corny, but I would, I would daydream on daydream. Like, Hey, one day I'm going to be at the ball. I'm going to, I'm going to be the recruit of the year. I'm going to get married or promote it. So I would just always have that clear vision every single day that I would wake up and be like, Hey, this is what you want to do. Like you're tired right now. I know you're you tired. So you envisioned it. You yeah. you you brought it into existence. You said, "I'm going to do this." Right. You know, and and I like that you say that because you know I had this master gunny a long time ago. I was a lance corporal. I'll never forget it. But um, recruiters used to. I was a lance corporal on Recade, and um, people would say things like, "Oh, I tried," and this master gunny would turn around, and be like, "What the did you just say?" And he would start flipping out because he'd be like, "What does that mean?" He, he would flip out because people would say, oh, I tried, I tried, I tried. He's like, it doesn't mean shit unless you do. And and a lot of people say that. Like, I had this dude hit me up yesterday. He's like, oh, I, I might write four this week, this month. And I was like, no, you're going to write four this month. Because if you keep saying shit like I might or I try or this, you're not, you're not, you don't believe, dude, you're just using your vernacular. You're not believing in yourself yeah. to that point. So that's what you, a lot of what you're, so yeah. far, everything you've told us is yep. that you just believed it into existence. Like, I'm going to do this, and this is going to happen. So much yeah. so that you now begin to daydream about it and look at the future, like, okay, I'm going to do this. So so that was a huge part of the whole thing, I'm assuming. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, uh, But also, like, the daily reminder, like I said, when I would wake up and I'm tired and I'm like, I, I don't want to go to work, I would remind myself, like, you said you were going to do this, so you need to put in the work. So it's, it's sad. I would also... um. I like a little, like little rituals. I would wake up, I would like, um, wake up to like a motivational video, uh, listen to uh, like Eric Thomas a lot. I would wake up. So I kind of like that. And then when I go to sleep, I'll listen to motivation videos. So I'm kind of like strengthening my mind or preparing my mind. Cause I was like, I'm going to go do this today. It's going to be a hard day, but if I can get my mind right, my mindset, then that's good. And then again, reminding myself of that vision that I had that allowed me to, you know, um, to progress and to be productive day in day out, you know, without, and I, I did get burnout on recruiting duty. I was, um, 
I pushed myself because we were going through um, an SRI. And then also, like I said, I was working on my master's. So I pushed, pushed myself to the point of exhaustion that I think twice I was hospitalized for uh, dehydration and because I didn't sleep for like two or three days. Um, so I pushed myself past those limits. But even when that came in there, like, hey, you need to take a break. I was like, no, hell no. Like, I'm going to get better. I'm going to hydrate, but I'm going to go right back. So, you know, because wow. I, yeah, because I, so I, what, um, what type of, so besides the work ethic, besides the, you know, the schedule, the McChris, what was it that worked for you? What were some things that you did on recruiting duty that led you to becoming, you know, recruiter of the year? Like, what was your, you know, you know like what type of recruiter were you like what did you find what was your niche you know because a lot of people you know a lot of people tc a lot of people ac like me i love the ac like were you both were you everything like what what was you know how did you become the the, the recruiter of the year essentially yeah so 84 12s are probably gonna you're saying this but i was not systematic i didn't believe in systematic probably <laughs> like oh they're gonna hang the Oh, it's it's funny. It's funny that you say that, because what I've realized is that most people and it's crazy because so you're sitting here talking about how you schedule time for prayer, you schedule time for, you know, daydreaming, you schedule time for, you know, reading and writing and all this other stuff. But yet I'm not systematic, you know, so it's crazy. But, you know, I think it's it's also crazy because I agree with you. You know, my 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 day long dream is to become an 8412. Um, you know, so people hate me when I say it, because the reality of it is, is that if you're and, and me and my boy, me and my boy, Gunny Odenbrett used to talk about this. Um, he's an 8412. And he, when I became a, when I became a staff and CEO, he said this, he would be like, listen, bro, there's going to be one or two things that are going to happen. He's like, you're either going to be really systematic and you're going to miss mission or you're going to make mission and you're going to have a whole lot of shit to freaking fix. And, and that's the reality of it, because if you're so busy in McChris and closing out events and doing this and doing this and doing this, you're not doing your job. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's true because so many people get so caught up into being systematic, but they're not even good recruiters. And it's yes. like, you know, so I, I think it has to be a happy medium of both, you know, because mm-hmm. if you are systematic, you do get some nice, you know, people come back, you know, you do your follow-ups. So I, I think you have to be systematic to an extent, but oh, yeah. yeah. So what do you, so what were you going to say? My bad. Yeah. Yeah, let me rephrase. So I was, I was not systematic in the in the sense of the numbers. Like you need to make this minute to get this, get this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It works, and I, I'm not knocking it down. Um, and I think systematic recruiting sometimes is for those recruiters that don't have. And I I, I felt like I had the ability to communicate effectively. I, I'm an outgoing person, so I already had kind of like the art. Mm-hmm. I already had it, and I wanted to be there, and I had a dream. Uh, so I didn't really, I never, I don't think I even wrote one contract there in TC. Um, not, not a single one because I was one, a lot of people are going to join the Marine Corps for the recruiter because you're selling yourself. Yeah. And I was like, I'm selling myself, selling my story. I could relate uh, because I didn't want to be a Marine at first. So I was able to relate like, Hey, I, I never saw myself being a Marine, but like here I am and everybody and their parents would love me. They're like, well, if my son can be like you, then yeah, this is what I want. I was like, I can't promise you he's going to be like me. Or, you know, we'll give him the opportunity and, and um, we'll give him the opportunity. The door is there, but it's up to him, you know. But for me, what really um, what really helped me out was uh, social media. Social media was like my go to. Um, and then eight kind of like you mentioned, eight scenes. So I would go to the gym through it like in the, throughout the day and I would wear like my Marine Corps swag. And so I'd go to the gym 
work out. I, I would, you know, screen somebody and kind of say like, oh, he looks fit. He looked like he's 18. I'd go go and ask for like a spot. I was like, man, you got me. And then he spotted me. And then I would, that's how I would get my AC contacts. Like, you know, talk to them. I'm like, hey, what are you, um, you know, what are you training for, man? And they were like, oh, I'm just, I just, you know, just working out to look good. I'm like, dude, you ever thought about the military? Like, yeah, you would do great. And then it was easy to pick them up or I'll go, go to the sauna. So um, very, like I said, very unorthodox when it came to, um, when it came to recruiting, I worked the pool. I worked the pool, uh, the PT, you know, bring people to come join the PT and I made it fun. So it was very, I was able to grow in that sense, but a lot of it was, I relied a lot on social media. So when I go to a school, they'll tag myself. So I always had, because I, I could never generate a bucket because I'm telling you, I was writing like fives every single month. So what I would get, you know, CUNY and then floor. And so I never had a bucket to nourish. Yeah. I don't know so, what a bucket is either. Yeah. It's a constantly. Never, never, never heard of her. <laughs> and then I honestly, and it, it came to what I was, I was mentioning about, about the grind, you know, I, I, because I stayed at the office so late, um, a majority of like a lot of my contracts would come from, you know, that na- the air force is never there. So anytime someone go to air force, I was like, Oh, this is easy. Like, you know, I'm going to, I'm bring them in. And they're like, you're not going to get them. So I go out there. I was like, hey, man, well, like, what's going on? He was like, I'm trying to join the Air Force. And, you know, I was like, hey, I thought, thought about the Marines. And they're like, no, hell no. So, you know, right away, I was like, all right, they're not interested. And I was like, but, and I would tell them, like, watch this. So I was like, hey, man, I, they haven't been here all week. Um, and I'll be transparent with you. They, 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 they're not hurting for anybody right now. So I was like, but you drove all this way. You took time to come out of your day to come uh, get information. Like, so at the minimum, I'm, I'm going to pack you out. I'm going to see your uh, basically qualify because we're all the departments of defense uh, they all go to the same maps so i'll pack i'll see if you qualify and then i'll hand this information off to the uh, to the air force so i'll give them to the office and they they leave with a marine corps binder and you know they're going to mess so it was just outworking them i was always there uh then the holidays you know they would take off the army would take off and then people would come to their office because you know they're they're going to a recruiting office because they want they want something they want an yeah. opportunity so they're, they're coming to you. So I was like, all right, this is easy. So I would bring them in. Um, and not all of them would join the Marine Corps, but I'd say a majority of them. But it was always being there, always being at work, um, working around the clock. So a lot of times the appointments, you know, because, you know, the young adults, they have lives too. So like, I don't get off till like 9 o'clock. I was like, all right, man, I'll see you at 10 o'clock. You know, and I was just on it. Um, I was like, you know what, check it out. Like, you get off at 9 o'clock, I'm going to come pick you up at work. I was like, because your career is important to me. Uh, so I'm willing to go out there. So I was always just going that extra step, you know, rather than they're like, oh, I'll get all at work at nine. And a typical recruiter would be like, oh, can you come in tomorrow? Um, and then by tomorrow, his, he changes his mind. So I never let up. I was just like, no, I'll go to you. Oh, shit. Uh, and I was, I, was aggressive. I was an aggressive recruiter. I was um, extremely aggressive in the sense that if I were to make an appointment with you, I was like, hey, man, like, if you're going to come see me, you know, at my office, um, just like I would protect your, 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 I would protect you. I was like, not that I don't trust you, but I need you to bring your social security, your birth certificate. And, uh, you know, if you have a diploma, bring it just so I can confirm your identity, you know? Shut so, up, bro. Why the, why have I never thought about that? Like, I need to bring in these documents. I'll, I'll verify that it's you. Um, and then, you know, we'll go from there. And it was because think about it. If you and me are sitting talking and then we're letting random people come to the building, like, and we don't we don't screen them because now I'm putting your safety at jeopardy. You're like, oh yeah, yeah, it makes sense. So they would bring their documents to the appointment. So then when they're they're committed, I'll scan it. I was, I was I already had it. 
So that's because I'm telling you I was running Pfizer a month. So that's how I would, uh, or at the minimum, if they didn't have it, I would already identify. I was like, all right, man, after our appointment, you need to go order social security because you're going to need it for college, you're going to need it for work. So that's how I was able to turn and burn really quick. So yeah, I would, I would set up appointments and have them. Bring oh, you had appointments bringing their vital docs. Yeah, yeah man, I'll tell you. Yo, wow. I don't know why the hell I never thought about like, I, I don't know why that I'm aggressive as hell. I don't know why the hell I never thought about, you know, throwing that in there. I like that. Yeah. Cause when, uh, when they would commit, they were like, all right, now I need to go home for this shit. I'm like, damn, we're going to lose a day. So that those are little things that I would do to kind of like um, stay ahead of the game. And then, uh, then I end up becoming a station commander, and I taught my recruits to do that. So they they were able to to do that, or like, because um, some of them will get kind of. It doesn't work with everybody because some will be like, no, I don't feel comfortable bringing you know whatever. Like you know what you like. I, yeah. I'm like a trustworthy guy. Like just bring your bring your birth certificate, or just bring one of them. You know, and they're yeah. like, yeah. I can do that. Um, or sometimes the, the parents would get involved. They're like, I'm not bringing his documents. And I was like, you know what? Like, I, I trust you guys. You can just come in. Like, I, I got you. So it's kind of like I'm doing them a favor by letting them into the office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So either way, you feel like the good guy. And either way, you got something from them. And either way, they, yeah, yo, fuck, yeah. bro. I don't know why. Uh, I'm going to use yeah. that shit. Yeah. I like no, that. Yeah, so that's what I would do. And, um, and but I was, I really, really, really cared about those that were recruited. I would care about the families. I would say, and they would see that. They would see the genuine love. Um, because I would I would check on them, you know, if they graduate, I'd keep in contact with the family. So it's very genuine, and and I I would check on them even when they're in the fleet. Um, so I think that kind of paid dividends too, because then they were like, "Hey, my cousin wants to join," um, and it, it, there were there were people they were like, "Hey, he lives sixty miles away, but he's gonna come all this way to come join under you." Like that's how good of a reputation I had. Yeah, so um, they believed in you, and they believed in what you were talking about. And it's like you were talking about in the earlier on. We were talking uh, in the beginning, you know, people. A lot of people don't realize that, like a lot of people have this idea that, OK, well, I got to be somebody else on recruiting duty. And it's like, no, people buy into you. But a lot of people don't join the Marine Corps because it's the Marine Corps. A lot of people join the Marine Corps because they like you. And, exactly. and you know, it was the same thing from I have a lot of people who couldn't stand me. But, you know, I actually had the I was I, it made me feel real good. I was actually able to. Uh, so the other day I got a call from a but I've been on recruiting duty for a couple of months, uh, about seven months now. And okay. um. The other day I got a call from one of my boys and he was like, yo, so-and-so um, got dropped. He failed both ISTs and he's going to go home. So I was just like, hold on. So the kid's mom called this guy crying, bowling eyes out. And I was the staff in COIC when the kid joined. So okay. I was like, I was like, hold on, let me see something. So I called my, my first, my senior drill instructor is now the company first sergeant out on Paris Island. Okay. So I was like, and he's helped me out before. So I was like, let me call him and just see if there's anything we could do. So I call yeah. him and he's like, hey, what's going on, brother? I was like, hey, sir. So I was like, recruit so-and-so failed two ISTs. I was like, is there anything you could do? He was like, give me the kid's name. I'll go tomorrow morning. I'll talk to him and I'll see what I can do. So yeah. the next morning I get a text message from my first sergeant, my senior drill instructor. And he's like, hey. He passed his third IST. He's he's getting pushed pushed in the training, so I was like, "Fuck yeah!" Like I was like so happy. So I called the mom, and the mom I've never met the mom. Called the mom, and I'm like, "Hey, Mrs. So and So." I was like, "I'm just letting you know, your son is actually 
started training today. I was able to get him a third shot. He was supposed to yeah. be flying home today. And the mom starts bawling, crying. She's like, you, I can't thank you enough. She's like, thank you so much for this opportunity. She's like, my, she's like, I, I've been praying all night long. She's like, you have no idea how much this means to me. And I was like, ma'am, I yeah. was just like, just write him a letter and tell him that somebody was looking out for him <laughs> yeah. and he, and he better not fucking quit. But yeah, 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 you know, and that's the thing, man. It's like you said, man, people, people buy into you. So, yeah. um, so you pick, so now, so how long were you a recruiter for? You were, you said 2013 to 2017. Yes. Yeah. But I was only a chemistry recruiter for one year. Um, so I went, I, I became, like I said, I was canvassing then, and, uh, I won recruited the year for New York. And then I went up to ERR, uh, the Eastern recruiting region. And I competed against them, and I ended up winning um, ERR recruit of the year. And then obviously I went over because I was on the East Coast, so we went to the West Coast to compete for um, compete for a recruiter of the for the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. And then we them out, and then we competed against the other branches. I ended up becoming a recruiter of the nation. Uh, oh in shit! And then they pulled me off the streets, right? And I didn't want to. I was like, yeah, I was I was good at it at that time. And so hold on, hold on, hold on. So you were a recruiter of the nation. Yeah. How the fuck does that feel? Like, bro, I gotta I, I gotta ask you, man. Like, how does it feel to not only like you know, we say things like once a marine, always a marine, the few, the proud, you know, we're less than one percent. But not mm-hmm. only are you, and I'm not trying to like blow you up here, but not only are you a marine, now you got a PA, now you're a doctor, but you're also a recruiter of the nation. Like, how how do all these different feats how do all these different things feel to have to have these titles to have these these things man how does it feel like how did it feel at that moment to get you know get get this you know pinned on you from the commandant like how did these things feel especially remembering back to that day like hey i'm gonna be recruiter of the year and you said recruiter of the year you didn't say recruiter of the goddamn motherfucking nation like like, how did that feel yeah and i'll I'll share this with you because it was again um it, it's what really helps me is again, turning all this negative energy and saying, instead of letting defeat me, using that to propel me. And uh, because I was upset about that, so our major traded me away. I was like, you didn't even give me a chance. Like, you didn't let me prove myself. But that, well, that dude was biting it, though. That dude was probably biting his belt or some shit. Oh, wait, wait, till, I, wait till I tell you this. So then I ended up going to, uh, I went to Quantico, so Star Major, the Marine Corps, and uh, the Commandant um, for the, you know, the, they call it the, um, yearly awards so they you know um award the di of the year crew of the year msg so all the b billets so i went there and they pinned me on um or no they they gave me my navy com um and the recruiters because the recruiting is is and i will say now honestly seeing both sides of the toronto State recruit recruiting is the hardest b billet like i don't care what anybody says because I've, I've lived both lives yeah yeah it. you could say that shit <laughs> i look like you know through through boats, so recruiting, so they had the recruits in the front, and then they trip all the way down. Um, so they were coming up to congratulate us, and that sergeant major from San Antonio was there, and I looked at him, and I, as much as I wanted to be like, I fucking told you, I told you, he looked at me, and I just smiled, and in my head, like this is my, this is my revenge. Yeah, I was like, do you remember me? And then he was like, yeah, he was like, yeah. But, it's like I've been in the Marine Corps for he was close to like his 30. He goes, There's a lot, not a lot of shit that I regret. He goes, but passing you up is one of the biggest mistakes that I made. And I was just like, no, like I'm I'm glad you did. I was like, because hadn't you done that? 
then I went on to get thrown into New York where I didn't know anybody. I was never there. Never yeah, yeah, yeah. I was literally like to me, I was like, I was thrown to the wild and I came back and I won. So I was like, no, I, I'm, I'm glad you doubted me. I was like, I needed that. And he felt like shit. He was like, well, if you need me, because he's, he was a, he wanted me to go back. He was like, are you going to go eight, four, 12 rounds? I was like, hell no. He was like, well, if you ever want to recruit in Texas, um, you know, I, I, I got you. I was like, I never want to go to Texas. I was <laughs> like, I'm, but at that time I was so, adopted by the new york lifestyle i was like i belong in new york so i adopted i was like no i'm a new yorker like i don't i was, <laughs> I was like i'm a new yorker like i don't know uh, i was like i don't need to go to texas i was like you so guys why, so why didn't you become a 12 why did you why did you what was it about was it just not your thing like because i know i know a lot of successful people um that were successful recruiters successful staff and suicides who a lot of the reason why they don't become 12s is because they clash with the 12 community. Um, yeah. That's what I've been told by a lot of people. Um, so is there a specific reason why you Yeah, yeah I'm going like- to... No, I couldn't. It's not in my plan because I am... One day I am going to be a sergeant for the Marine Corps. Um, so if I were to go 84-12, that, that dream... You couldn't you know, do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And in route to... Because that's going to be my end goal um, to become sergeant for the Marine Corps one day. I wanted to deploy again. I wanted to, I always had the idea of going to become a drone instructor, but as a recruiter, I was like, Hey, I want to, um, I want to be a drone instructor. And they're like, bro, you're way too nice. Like you got, like now my voice is broken in, but before I had like soft voice, they're like, you like, you can't yell, you can't scream. Like you, we wouldn't, you wouldn't make it as a drone instructor. So at that time, and I was letting that, like, they were like you're good at recruiting. Oh so, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, so people, so the moral of the story is you can't tell Dr. Flores not to do some shit because he's gonna do some shit. <laughs> yeah. I guess doubt, but um, that so that's why I didn't and I didn't go recruit. And then at some point, because I was recruiting like a, a high volume, I started to lose. Remember, I said I was genuine, but because I was yeah. recruiting so much that I started losing, mm. I couldn't keep everybody. You know, as far as like having that interpersonal relationship with them, because there were just too many. Um, so I started losing that. And then I started to. And this is not, you know, a shot in any of the 12s, but a lot of them, because they're so removed from the streets that they lose that 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 factor. Now it becomes numbers. And once I realized like now these they're still alive, that's still somebody's son. That's still somebody's, you know um child so once we started losing sight of that and we're more worried about numbers to me i was like i started to do that as well i was like well i need this guy to ship i need him they're like he's not ready he's got a you know his family's got a vacation plan i was like i don't care about that like he needs a ship like i started Mm -hmm. to lose sight of that so once i pull myself back and i realized um when i realized that i was kind of like losing some of those values um that I lost, I lost my dad on recruiting duty and I went on emergency leave. And then that's, to me, that was kind of like the wake call. Like, you know, am I really doing, at that point I wasn't enjoying it anymore. I was just like, I got so good at it that I, I'm now becoming um, somebody that's pushing numbers rather than recruiting because now I was a station commander. So I wasn't having that interview with those kids. It was to me now yeah. I'm like, hey, shit. so after a while, I was like, no, so you were, how long were you a staff in CIC for? Uh, three, three and a half years. So oh, I was okay. a recruiter and I got, um, when I won the recruit of the year. So what was your, how, how were you as a staff in CIC? Did you, 
Did you go about things differently? Did you like, was it a huge, like, cause now, because again, like you're still going through all this schooling and you went from being a recruiter to now being a staff at USC. So as we all know, a lot of, and as a recruiter, you don't think your staff at USC does shit. Most yeah. recruiters are like, yo, my staff, my staff, aren't, my gunny doesn't do anything in that office. He ain't doing nothing all day. And then all of a sudden you become a staff at USC and you're like, bro, yeah, it's a lot because you you get you know you're on you're in group chats you're freaking getting calls from the command all day. Hey, what happened to this kid? What happened? Yeah. So what was your you know your battle rhythm through that? <clears throat> yeah, so I adopted a really unorthodox um, one. I was like, I'm gonna take care of the recruiters. So I'm gonna make their their quality of life really really good. So I didn't. Um, I took care of them 100. percent Like you know, a lot of them were. I think one of my recruiters like in the middle of a divorce. Another one like never saw his kid. When I got to the station, I was like, "Hey, I don't care. Uh, the mission we're gonna make mission because when you're at work, you're gonna grind. But I don't want you here all the time." And they knew because I once they they knew that I was coming to that station because I had just become recruiter of the nation. They were like, "Oh, this guy's gonna come slay us. Like this guy's gonna come want us to be exactly like him." And one thing I had to realize like not everybody's you. So I took care of. Um, I would let them go to, you know, spend time with the families. I would let them, I would tell them, that, like, we'd rotate, like, one day if you're, you you leave early today, you can leave, like, at 2 p.m., and then tomorrow he'll leave. So we always had, like, an even flow. So somebody was always working, always grinding. We, I was also a working boss. Like, I would actively recruit, too, or I would help close. Um, Bro, so that's Mark, the key, man. That's, that's the key. Bro, I, yeah. I, and I say that because I've gotten into arguments with people. Like, like the idea of, you know, and this is my mentality, right? So if you're, a, if you've become, if, if someone said, I'm going to dom, I'm dominus, you're a staff in COSC. That's because besides the fact that maybe you just came here and you're a gunny, but nine times out of 10, it's because you were a, you were a successful recruiter. So if you become this, the staff in COSC and you take off the recruiter hat and you don't close on people then a lot of your recruiters are going to look at you like, who is this guy? And then they're going to lose respect for you. And also at the end of the day, if you're the staff and CSC of that office, you should be the last person that kid talks to before he leaves the office. So like for me, if, even if, if I wasn't in the office, which not, which like 10 out of 10 times I was in the office, but if I wasn't in the office, if that kid was done with the interview, you were calling me. Yeah. No matter what, I was the last dude to talk to that kid. And I would ask him, hey, what happened? What did I miss? What's going on? Because a lot of people, like, you know, they'll be out doing whatever the hell. And they, they're not there for interviews. They're not there for even appointments or East failures. They're not there for parents. They're not. And it's crazy because you need to be, you know, like, it's like being a drill instructor. You know, I don't know anything about it, but I, I saw my senior drill instructor. He was there. You know, I, I saw him. You know, and I, and I think for for staff and CYCs to not be in the office and to not be a part of that office, it's like, no, you need to be. You got to be there. Um, so my bad for going off on that. But so no, what no. was your so so you made sure they had their their quality of life. Yes. You made sure. And, and that's I like that. How you're saying that you, you know, you sent one guy home earlier than some guys would stay later. That's good. I like that. Yeah. And we rotate. But I, I'm, I was the exact same way as you. I was like, I'm going to talk to every single kid, whether they commit, they don't. Um, whether you close, you don't. And same, I was the last one. But the way the recruits would like, it, it was almost kind of like they were like, "Hey, I'm gonna let you meet my boss." You know, like if he likes you and he blesses off, then you can join. So it was almost like I had to accept him. Mm. Uh, 
really just kind of so they would come up and I would talk to them because a lot of times when they would hand them off to me they, they you know they were not committed but I was like you know and I would sell them because you're right we are we are the experts um and I would sell them I would close it I was like hey this is big brother he's gonna take care of you I'm gonna hand you back to your recruiter um he goes but if you need anything you come talk to me it's kind of like they had like almost like a dad yeah. I was like, this brother, I'm dad because we're gonna take care of you um but no I, I took care of uh the recruiters but because their quality of life was so good um and even like that we, we we'd come up with like little like when we would they would tc again i never tc but they were good at it um we would we call it like power hours that so were like yeah five to six we you know like all we're doing is this tcs and i would i would have like a board i'm like you know the first one to get like you know three poems that you can you can bounce and it would almost make it like competitive so they're all hitting where they were having fun and i was doing tcs too um so we just made it really really fun you know and i was very, very involved but because they saw me, my work ethics, they were like, hey, he's taking care of us. He's active recruiting. I would go AC with them. I go to the schools. I, and then they would see me stay after to, to do college. So it was a, a big respect factor. They're like, hey, he, he's genuine. He cares. He's grinding too. He doesn't have to. Because they would see that. They were like, you know, when they go to all hands, they would talk like, yeah, my boss doesn't do shit. And they were like, at the time of staff sergeant, they were like, Seth, well, like he's, he's, he's making TCs too. You know, he's closing. He's so... Again, I think that's why the 12s didn't like me because um, it's not they didn't like me. It was more like envious. Uh, they accepted me because they needed me. Like mm -hmm. I was, we were overriding, we were overshipping. So they needed us, um, but they didn't like it because now that became like the new standard because they were the recruits like, oh, how come my boss doesn't do that? Or how come, you know, they would say like, hey man, like you got off at work at four. And he was like, yeah, like that's what really let, lets me leave at two. And it was like, how many points do you have? And he was like, zero. And then the RIs like, why is he going? Why is he going home? Like he, he doesn't have any appointments. I was like, watch, because he's gonna go spend time with his family. But watch him come back tomorrow. He's gonna grind. Sure enough, he come back the next day and he work his ass off and set like seven. Yeah. You know, it's it's to me it was like you take care of the people. Um, and that, that's it. And that's it, man. It's you know, it's people forget about the fact of people are people people forget about, you know, the fact that, you know, you have a, like, for instance, like I I've been, I've been off the streets for seven months in that seven months, my son just started his first soccer game yesterday. Yeah. If I was on recruiting duty right now, I probably wouldn't have been there, but I was able yeah. to, you know, have the time to be there with him. And the reality of it is, is that you miss so many opportunities with your, especially if you have children, you know, you miss these opportunities or even just being your own person, like going out and, you know, driving your car. Like my boy owns a 350, uh, a 370Z and yeah. it's his favorite car in the world, but it sits in a garage because he can't drive it because he's on the duty. And yeah. the reality of it is if you gave that guy maybe three hours on a weekend to go drive that car, maybe oh, yeah. he would change. It would change the world, you know? Yeah. And, and that's the thing is people, like you said, people get so bent in the shape over these numbers and they forget about the reality of life. And then, you know, and then unfortunately, like you said, like, you know, and I remember being in half the staff and CIC meetings, you know, someone would always ask, you know, what's the recruiters problem? What's, how can we help the recruiters? And, and in my head, I'd be like, why don't we ever talk about what's our problem? Yeah. I'm like, where are we lacking? Because maybe it's not the recruiters. Maybe it's the staff and CIC sitting in the seat that's failing right now. Yeah. You know, and maybe that's something that we need to look at because maybe these recruiters need time off. You know, maybe these recruiters need to go away for the weekend or even, you know, because I think, and, and it's something that always pissed me off because 
you know, and my hopes are to go back to be at 12. But, you know, like my thing is, is like, you know, they have annual planning conferences. They have yep. all of these events where where these 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 people and I get it. They're necessary, but they go away to these nice bars, these nice places. And then the recruiters are all sitting back at work like, yo, my boss is golfing right now on Snapchat. And it's like. It's like, what about them? They're the ones who are out there living, breathing this shit every single day, and they're not getting that time. Yeah. No, and I, I I, no, absolutely. I agree 100%. And I think, um, and it's, it it translates to everything. Like, if I am a recruiter and I'm burnt out, even in my interview, I'm not enthusiastic. I'm not selling myself. You can tell I look like, you know, tired, I'm drained. But when I'll send that recruiter away and come back and he's refreshed, he's got a smile on his face, he's pumped. You know, he's energetic. So when he's on the phone, he's, he's talking, he, he has life to him. And when he's selling a kid, he's very enthusiastic because his quality life is good. Yeah. You know, he's selling himself like, man, I'm, I'm loving life right now. I get paid to do this. You know, and he's, and you could feel his energy um, because, you know, we let him go home early and instead of getting caught up in, you know, but we, again, we operate as a family. So I was like, hey, you know, staff's comfortable. We let him leave today. He has zero appointments. Obviously, it's, 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 you know, a lifeline. Like, we need to make up for that somewhere. So I was like, hey, man, I'm going to need you to hit another another appointment to kind of make up for that. Um, but don't worry, because tomorrow you're going to bounce and the old boys got you. So we always have this, like, running mm. little rhythm. So we're never really dipping. That The production was always there. Yeah. but And that's and that's important. Now, I would also assume, from what it sounds like, is that you had a – your your office was, was family-oriented, it sounds like. Like you guys were all in it together. You guys all had one common goal and you guys were all trying to just make this mission, but also at the same time, you were trying to enjoy the quality of life. Yes. Yeah, and now and that, I, and now that they had it, they didn't yeah. want to lose it. Yes. Yeah. So anytime, anytime they would, um, they wouldn't close or anytime they would lose a kid, they, cause I never yelled at them they, when they would let me down, it would hurt. They were like, damn, like you could see it. Um, and I never had to, you know, blast anybody. I was just, because he knew that I took care of them. But again, we, the production never, never dipped. I did tell him, I was like, hey, when we got in there, I was like, we are going to win station of the year. I was like, but more importantly, you're going to have a great quality of life and we're going to obtain this. This is a shared goal. So they didn't want it. They're like, yeah, we're not trying to win that. But once they saw. Um, did you win? Were, did you win station of the year? No, no we did. Ah. No. So we, we numbers wise, that wise, we did. Um, and uh, this is one thing that I don't like about the 12 community is the politics. Um, because I didn't at the time they were like hey are you gonna become a 12 and that it was like literally in September cut off the FY uh, a lot of years because we were, we went on a point system and we were literally like 100 points blowing second place out of the water um, and they were like you're gonna be a 12 and at that time I was like and they were like because you got orders so you're gonna take them or you want us to cancel them and I was like no I'm gonna take them so once they knew I was gonna be a 12 and they're going to like, and then they sold. Now they started, we're like, well, um, they went to some planning conference and they're like, Hey, now the minimum attrition is, you know, whatever, 15%, 17, but they were like, you're at 14 point, whatever. So they found a small excuse to disqualify. Small like, loophole. Yeah. And it was, it's, it's the EPM says one thing. So I was like, well, now you're making your own. Like so now we're going to, they're like, we're going to change it to a, you can't exceed 12%. I was like, what the fuck? Like one month before the FY, like you're going to, it was purposely to, de- to deny that. Um, it was a retaliation. Bro, it's, funny. it's funny that you say that because when uh, my first year on recruiting duty, I literally should have been recruiter of the year, rookie recruiter of the year. But 
listen how fucking stupid this is. And I fucking bugged out. So I'm a, re- I'm a reservist. I'm an ead So because my official start date was April, and even though I didn't graduate the schoolhouse till June, and I didn't, st- I didn't start on production till July 1st, they told me that I wasn't, I wasn't a rookie and I couldn't get rookie recruiter of the year. And meanwhile, my numbers, like I had the 12 in the office and I had my boy who was the uh, program specialist literally called me and he was like, bro, you destroyed like you. It was like it was disgusting, but they literally didn't give it to you because of the time frame you were yeah. a rookie. I was like, bro, like I was yeah. I was fucking tight. And the yeah. funny thing was, is I thought I was getting it. And I'm sitting there at the ball. I'm like, yo, I got this. And then all of a sudden they call this person up and my, all of my boys, including some 12s were like, no, they were like, no. And I was just like, I guess so. Like I should, <laughs> my wife was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. But no. so, so what happened? So now transition, you know, further on. So you leave recruiting duty and what's next yeah. for you? So I left recruiting duty. I came to Camp Pendleton. In California, and then um, I started a uh, volunteer to deploy again. So as soon as I got here, I started to work up. Um, started to work up, and then that was and now at this at this time you're still Motor T. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah still Motor T. Uh, started work up, and I deployed. Um, same thing. Starting out in Kuwait, went to Iraq. Um, part of our detachment went to Syria. I stayed in Iraq, and then we came back to Kuwait, and then came back here. But when I was um, when I was in Iraq, I was due for reenlistment. So I was like, I want, but I hadn't been off the streets for because you have to be, you have to be um, from B billet to B billet. You have to be um, twenty four months on station, so you can't go back to back. So you, I did recruiting, then you have to do two years. So, but when I was due for reenlistment in Iraq, I said, Hey, I want to volunteer be a drill instructor. And they all were like, what the fuck? Like, hell no. Like, Sergeant Major was like, you're not going to be a drone instructor. Because he already did recruiting. I was like, well, I'm going to I'm gonna submit, you know. Worst case scenario, they say no. So I submitted for that. But what I had to do, my plan was to um, put my DI, um, my DI school seat 24 months or 24 months out. So, like, almost like I'm reserving a seat for next year. I volunteer, but next year. Um, so I went out there and then they got approved. They're like, oh shit, you're, you got approved for DI, DI School West. Um, so then came back. I was only back for like maybe nine months before. I, and I started training, you know, to, to come and drone struggles, to go running a lot. Um, what was that like? What, what did you decide? Like what, what kind of training did you do to get yourself geared up for that? A lot of cardio. They, you know, they, they tell us to do a lot of running. So uh, I was running a lot, um, a lot of hit cardio doing um so one thing that you got to do in di school is the, what they call a teach back so you're it's like a drove movement and you um have to memorize it verbatim and then you memorize it and then you go to the instructors and then you have to yell it back like line by line so i started learning those early because when i went to di school i was still in college so i was like i'm gonna have to balance di school and college and everybody's like you're crazy you're gonna you're gonna same thing um, you're not you're not going to be able to make it. So I was doing everything I can to prepare to balance both sides. So I got ahead of the game. Did all my teach backs, learned my DI creed. Um, so when I checked into the schools, 
I was light hair, uh, light, light years ahead of all the students. Cause again, I was balancing college. So, I, and I had to do that. Then I became a drill instructor, got sent to a box company, um, which is ironic because I first so started. You were, my bad, but you were saying that, so Duran, Gunnery Sergeant Duran, he was one of your instructors? Yes. That's dope, man. I, I deployed with him um, as Lance Corporals together, and then I actually had him on the on the podcast a couple episodes ago. How, yeah. how was, just out, of, just out of curiosity, how was he as as a as an instructor? Yeah, so get this. So your boy, um, I check in, Gunny Duran, at the time, Stas on Duran, was um, the guy I checked into. And the first thing he saw was my recruiting ribbon. So he started attacking me. So as soon as he saw the recruiting ribbon, he was like, you're, you're like, oh, you're in the wrong, you're at the wrong school. Like, the recruits were over there and just started blasting me, started lighting me up. Um, and he would tease me the entire, the entire, uh, I was at DI school about being a recruiter. He just... He was like, you're not going to make it. You're like, hey, and he just, you know, shooting the shit. But he was a good dude, uh, very well trained. He was very, um, he was very, one thing I liked about him was he was very real. You know, he taught us, you know, what he had to teach us for the curriculum. But he was also, he gave us a lot of like uh, experience and he kept it real. He was like, hey, this is what's going to happen. This is what it's going to be like. So he gave us that preparation. Um, but yeah, he was, uh, <laughs> he was pick on me because I was a recruiter. That's one thing he, that was his go to. But he, it was good. Yeah, it was yeah. good school. I think we got. Oh. So how um, so now how how long have you been on your? Are you a senior drill instructor now, or not yet? No, no, I made it up to um, made it up to chief, and then now I'm the uh, company first sergeant for the headquarters. Oh shit! Yeah, so um, so I'm still on the depot. I got a, I got, I leave here in June, July of next year, so I still got a little bit of time. Um, but yeah, I went to. Get, Went to the depot, I did um, what they call like a kill hat or like um, did one cycle. Then I became the knowledge hat for a cycle. Then I did um, the J, oh, the J, um, which is like the drill, the drill hat. Then I did two senior cycles and two chief cycles. So how uh, did, so I, I didn't get a chance to ask Gunny Duran this, but out of all this different billets, which one's your favorite out of like, like, do you enjoy the kill hat? Do you enjoy the like, which one's your favorite? I would say I think it was being a senior drill instructor, you okay. know, because that's your platoon. You get you get really really invested in, into the the, rec- the the kids, the recruits. How you manage your team and you're in the grind with them. It's um, so like being a senior was fun, most enjoyable. But you still like a lot of people have misconceptions that seniors don't do a lot, but you you you're still doing all the activities, still doing all the training with you know with the recruits and the team, but now you're managing and there's a lot of obviously admin. So it's a lot of responsibility for an individual uh, and it's really easy to get burnt out, but I just, I, I love the grind. Um, I love being a chief too. You know, chief was probably, it's right next to it because now you're managing a series, you're mm-hmm. managing uh, seniors. You know. So you just got your, you just became a doctor like a couple of days ago, right? Yes. So how does that feel? Like how does and you? So I'm confused. I'm gonna be honest. I'm confused. Did you fly home to Texas and you did it like virtually? Yes. Okay, and that was your mother. I'm assuming. Yes. Okay. Okay. So how how was that, man? Like how does it feel to have accomplished that through? And and it's crazy just because like it's crazy to me because I'm sitting here and I'm thinking like okay, well, not only did this guy 
wasn't supposed to join the Marine Corps. He went against his family's wishes. He joins the Marine Corps. Then he decides that I'm not going to drink until I'm 25. He goes to jet. He goes to Japan. He doesn't do all this drinking. Then he deploys twice. He also does recruiting duty for like three and a half to four years. Then he goes on the drill field. He becomes, so he becomes a recruiter, then a staff and COSE. Then he goes onto the drill field and he gets all the way up to senior drill instructor to chief drill instructor to now company, company first aren't like, bro, how, how does it feel to have completed all of these different tasks, to have all of these different billets, to have all of these different names and to now be now be now called a doctor like how did how did that feel and now i'm also assuming that this is probably not the end and you have some other crazy goal that you want to attend like so how does it feel it uh you know i I will be honest that until becoming a doctor i was really i was always tough on myself you know anytime i would receive an accolade or to me even now i still adopt it i think success is not uh it's not a destination it's a journey so rather than to accomplish something and then kind of live off of that, I'm like, I'm constantly striving, constantly, you know, improving. Um, to have all these accolades, it, it's great in the sense that, uh, that I was able to do it. You know, I proved, I proved that it can be done. Um, but, I, you know, I remain humble. And I know that, you know, people look, they were like, you're the recruiter of the year. I was like, yeah, well, that's 2013, man. Like, that's, that's in the past. Not taking away that it's not, doesn't mean anything, but yeah, yeah. I live off of that success or I can't. You know, I constantly have to to um, to grow personally and professionally. Um, but now now after becoming a doctor, because that's one that's one dream and one goal that I I faced a lot of rejection. That that journey was very rigorous and um, very demanding. You know, so it really humbled me because um, constantly getting rejected because that that committee that that, that uh, finally approved me, they were really, really tough. So five years of going back and forth they're saying like no this works not good you need to do this you need to do that so finally now i have a sense of caution like i, I get it you know so i'm taking a, a second to think like well i i completed this i said mm-hmm. i was gonna do it. did it yeah and I, how did your mom feel she was happy yeah so typically um not since all your talent but the way your defense work is you actually go to the university and you defend it like in a library and the committee it's kind of like a like think of it like being on a board yeah you know doctors are there um but now with COVID hit, so now we defend it virtually. So um, I was able to plan it perfectly where I was able to go home, celebrate my birthday, and then do my defense at home. And that, that library that I was at, that's the hometown library that I grew up. Oh, that's yeah. dope. Yeah, so I would do all my, like, because we were cool, we'd have a computer, so I would have to go to the library to do any computer um, related. So I went back. So it's kind of like almost like going back to where I started. Yeah. My mom was proud. She was extremely proud um, because she also, a lot of times, like when I would get rejected or when I would get denied, I would call her and I would cry. And I was like, no, you know, I, I'm there. I don't know if this is going to happen. She was like, just, you know, you got it. So she was always that read that information, like you, you're going to do it. So to see me live it through, you know, to go through all that rejection um, and to see it like, you know, come to fulfillment and she was, she was happy and she was, um, I've always been like one of her, I don't want to say like her favorite, but I've been the closest, yeah. you know, to my mom. So to see that, you know, um, I think, I think part of the, the thing that I'm getting from this whole entire thing, and it's kind of messed up is, but at the same time, it's kind of not 
is that a lot of what you've talked about is a lot of people telling you, you can't do this. And, but it's weird because you then use that as your fuel to do it. So it's like, okay, well, if they hadn't told me I could do it, then maybe I wouldn't be where I'm at. But it, but it's kind of bullshit to look at people and be like, why do people got to be so negative? You know, like, why do people got to say, oh, you can't do that? Like, because realistically, your leaders, your, your higher ups should be saying, you know what, you can do this. But I guess because we don't, it's an oddity, I guess, because we don't, we don't see people do it, you know, because like, I'm not gonna lie, I'm the same person, you know, I, I make people like, you know, hey, I'm, I'm gonna come out on recruiting duty, and I'm gonna have a diet, and I'm gonna go to the gym every day. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And, you know, so I've been there, I've been that guy. But you know, I think it's a beautiful story. Because from everything you're telling us, it's just the reality of like, everyone told you you couldn't do it. And now here it is, you did it. You've did everything, you know, and, and, and it's like, you know, a lot of people would say things like, oh, his AO or, oh, he doesn't have deployments, but hey, have those as well. So, you know, I think it's, I think, so now how long have you been in the Marine Corps, Gunny? I just hit uh, 13 in August. So, bro, that's you've done a lot. Of, you've done a lot of shit um, yeah. in thirteen it's years. Not just, so. It's not people telling me not to. It's again, it's taking anything that negatively happens in my life and then mm. using. It. So whenever you know I go through a breakup or when my dad passed away, mm. uh, you know anything that happens negatively, that's that's the fuel. So it's not just yeah. like okay, now I'm gonna go out and prove you wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it's. A, a goal that I set, like, all right, well, this is not going well for me. It's not going to break me. Like, if anything, I'm going to use that energy to, um, you know, to, to push it forward. And, and now my why is because I have a son. I yeah, have, I, I was just going to say that we haven't talked about him at all. So yeah, when yeah. when did he come in the picture of how old is he? So he's four. Okay. He's, yeah. Um, he so now he everything that I do now first it will start off like yeah I'm gonna prove you wrong but now it's to my my why is I want to um I want to make sure he knows that I love him that I put effort uh, unfortunately me and his mom are not together um you know we we went our separate ways but I don't want that to be a fact that he says like oh my dad never makes time I put a lot of effort love into him um and I just want to be kind of like that role model was for my brothers but now it's for my my child my son, so I wanted to see, like, hey, it is possible my dad did this, and, and just be a positive um, sphere of influence for him, so, like, everything I do now, it's it's, it's for my son, you know, because he's, he's, he's looking up to me. One day, he's going to realize um, everything that I'm done, and I want to establish that, um, you know, the sky, is, the sky is the limit for him, you know, if I'm able to do all this under these circumstances, uh, and I want to... Um, I want to show him, pave the way for him and, and be just the best father of all this. And you mentioned it earlier, um, you know, all these titles, all, all this, like my, my favorite title is still dad, you know? Yeah. Still, no, um, bro, you're not wrong, man. Yeah. Um, so in question I have just more so that I have the education on it and for the listeners as well. So the Marine Corps, to my understanding, how, how much like you became, a, you got, you became a doctor how much did the Marine Corps pay for? And then how much did you end up having to, like, how does all that work? Like tuition assistance and, and all that. Like, how does that, if, if there's someone out there who wants to, you know, have the same ability as you, how would they, how did you go through it? And how did you make it happen throughout yes. that? Yeah. So the Marine Corps funded um, 
all my education for all the way up to my master's, I utilized tuition assistance. However, one thing that I will caution is that because I was very aggressive in my approach to my education, so I'll take two to three classes. So I would burn through all my TA pretty quick. Um, you're allotted $4,500 every, um, every fiscal year. So in, a, in conjunction with um, TA, I, I would also do FAFSA for like um, grants, federal grants. So I was able to use that to pay for my schooling. Now, when I went for my doctorate, the Marine Corps TA will not pay anything past the master's because it's very, mm -hmm. very unlikely that anybody would even try to pursue a doctorate. Um, so what I did was I utilized my GI Bill to pay for um, my doctorates. And because a lot of times um, service members will say, well, I want to use my GI Bill to transfer it to you know, my kids. But um, so I did the research and I realized that um, one of the, because we're from Texas, one of the benefits we have in Texas called the Hazelwood X. So it's almost similar to like the GI Bill. So my kids will still be covered because now I'm selfishly using the GI Bill for myself. Um, so you don't know, that GI Bill, but for the doctors, they paid all the class, all the course. Um, I did come out of pocket a couple of classes because I would burn through the TA and I didn't want to take breaks. So that, it was just pure ambition. See, I didn't know, I didn't even know you could use your GI Bill while you were on active duty. I didn't even know that oh, was a... Oh. Yeah, the, the only thing is that you will not collect because uh, if you have the post, yeah, it, you're not going to get BAH because yeah. you're already getting BAH. Correct. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was able to do that. And then for my doctors, a lot like I would have to purchase like software to do my data analysis, um, textbooks to educate myself because for our doctors, they'll teach you. So, one thing that a lot of people have the misconception is earning a doctorate is not just the classes because I have a lot, even now, a lot of people hitting up like, hey, I'm I'm, I'm taking doctorate classes. So like, bro, that's the easy part. Like the classes, even though they're hard, that is like the easy part of the journey. The hard part is when you have to conduct your own study because there's no blueprint, you know, and it has to be a study that somebody needs. You can't just go study whatever. So, so what, was your, what was yours? Yeah, mine. So I studied um, communication between um, married Marine couples during overseas deployment. So oh, that, wow. yeah, so I was able to pinpoint um, the stages of uh, the deployment. And now, so now, and I'm actually going to give the, this data back to the Marine Corps. So now they can pinpoint like, hey, if I deploy, this is going to be the hardest part of our deployment. So now there's data, you know, and I interviewed over 24 individuals um, and I had, to, I had to conduct like a data analysis. So a lot of that software, a lot of those books, um, I purchased myself because I didn't, I didn't want to ask the Marine Corps for money because, you know, the Marine Corps takes forever to like fund anything. So I was like, if I wait on them, like, I'm not going to, um, they'll give me money like in 2025. Like, I don't have time for that. Like, I'm so it, it came out of my pocket a lot when it came to things like that. But again, was to benefit me for my study. Okay. So now, so what's the next endeavor now that you've completed this? Because you said, number one, you have another year at yes. least of recruit uh, of being out there on the drill field. Um, so what's the next, you know, what's the next thing you, cause you have at least seven more years. I'm assuming if you're trying to be Sergeant major in the Marine Corps, you, you're going to be even further than that. So yeah. um, the Marine Corps getting out of the Marine Corps isn't, isn't happening soon. So what's, uh, do you have any other things that you're kind of looking at doing? I know, I, I don't know if you already did write, did you already write a book? Yes. Yeah. I wrote one book and okay. I'm uh, Yeah. So the next endeavor is, um, there's three mo main focal points is one finishing that second book. Um, Cause I'm almost done with that. So finish that book um, Two, I, I'm also a real estate agent. So I'm going to start in um, 
more time and invest in that to sell more and to help families out. So I want to get my market up in that. Um, and then the third thing is uh, I want to compete for um, drone Strong of the year. So I want to, I want to, I want to compete on this coast. So those are three things that are, that I'm kind of like actively working. So for drill instructor of the year, what is the like criteria? Do you know? Oh, like, so do fun. you have to be a drill instructor or a senior drill instructor, chief drill instructor? Like what's the, what? No, it's, it's open to, uh, it's open to any drill instructor. Um, typically they'll send, um, every company will send a representative and they'll compete at a company level. Then that one will go to the battalion. The battalion will nominate, will conduct a board. Then that one will go to the depot. Then they'll compete for um, the other year for the for the depot. And then both coasts go head to head. So, but yeah. So we'll see. See what happens. All it's, right. It's- so, so I'm gonna just throw this out there. When you become drill instructor of the year, you got to come back on the show, and we got to do that episode. Right. <laughs> but um. So I guess just kind of wrapping this all up, man, um, I just want you to understand. I know you probably already know this because your Instagram has been flooded. Um, I've, I've been seeing it, bro. It's just it's an inspiration to me as a recruiter because I've told so many people what you can do in the Marine Corps, but I've never seen it done. And, yeah. and, and for someone of your stature to go and do this – it's like, if he can do it, why can't you, if he can go and that, and it's a huge, you know, if the Marine Corps recruiting command does not use your story in some capacity, I'm going to let you know when I get back on recruiting duty, I'm going to bring this video to every school that I go to, because the reality of it is, is that everybody and anybody is talking about education in today's world. Everybody says you need it. Everybody says you want it. But the reality of it is, is a lot of people don't have the money. So the, the idea that someone like yourself, you know, came from a poverty stricken home, you know, living in Texas to now having your doctorate to now being a gunnery sergeant of Marines to all the different things that you're accomplishing in life. It's an, it's an insane thing that at the age of 32 years old, you've done these things. Um, and it's just a testament to what the Marine Corps can do. But reality of it is, is that just who you your family, that's who your family brought you up to be. Um, and I think it's a beautiful story and I'm really ex- ecstatic that I'm able to even, you know, hear this story and then that my audience is going to be able to hear it as well. So I just want to thank you so much for the things that you're doing. Um, and I wish you all the luck in the future. And I can't wait to see you as Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps. You know, I'll get a, I'll get a coin from you, some shit. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, one thing I'll, I'll add, man. Um, yeah. I know for a fact that had I not joined the Marine Corps, I would not be where I'm at today. And mm. what I could have gone to college um, straight out of high school and I would not have the success because what the Marine Corps instilled is literally those intangibles. Um, and that's what really, cause I wasn't always like this. I wasn't outgoing, I wasn't ambitious. Um, I was actually telling my, my friend earlier that I was uh, stage fright, I was not confident. Um, but when I joined the Marine Corps, all those the, the core values, the discipline, all those things that the Marine Corps taught me is what really, really brought out my ambition. So if it wasn't for the Marine Corps and selling those intangibles, if you, were, if you were to follow like my life in two different paths, the Marine Corps and then going to college, I would probably start a college and probably would never finish. And then in the Marine Corps, because that drive, those mentors, uh, you know, the Marine Corps has a lot of assets and resources that sometimes we overlook. Um, you know, it's full of 
people with so much wisdom, so much experience, so much leadership. Um, so we'll always pay attention to toxic leadership and the bad, but we don't ever talk about the good leaders. We have some amazing leaders, amazing people in the Marine Corps. So I would gravitate and I would, you know, talk to them like what made you successful. So, or, you know, how can I go about this? So I was constantly expanding my circle. So I say all that to say that the success I have today, I know for a fact would not be possible, not to this capacity. So you, so you credit it, you credit it all to the Marine Corps. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it was, and that's why I love the organization. Um, you're going to hear, you'll probably see it a lot. Uh, I do get a lot of criticism. Well, like, why didn't I go officer? I was like, you're a doctor and people are like, I was going <laughs> to ask you that. Yeah. Like, like I'm like, why do we go officer? And because we have that stigma, you have college, go officer. I was like, but what about the enlisted? You know, like we lose sight of that. So one, I want to stay working with Marines. I love the Marines. Um, I don't need to be an officer to be a leader. I can still lead in the list of ranks. And I think I want to be that that inspiration and that testimony to the enlisted when they say oh, they're uneducated. I'm like, well, no, there's, there's a lot of people with degrees. Um, and then the end goal from the day I joined the Marine Corps, I said, I'm going to be Star Major in the Marine Corps. And so that is my vision. That's my plan. Officer is not, not relevant to that. Um, and I know people talk about retirement and all that. I'm like, I'll be fine, you know. But this is, that's the path that God wants me to take. That's where I'm going to go. And that's what I'm going to stick to, regardless of what criticism. Um, but I'm, I'm going to stay enlisted and I will be a leader for the enlisted side. So that's why I will always stay, stay you know, on the black side. Um, do you, um, just a question, I just thought, so are you still not drinking? Have you already no, just not really drink? I've been making up for it. Huh? No. I said, now I'm making up for it. But no, I, I <laughs> I always celebrate. Um, that was just again to launch my career early. Yeah. But now, possible, you know, nothing crazy. Gotcha. But now, yeah, now I do have, I do have my good times too. All right, no doubt. Well, hey, listen, man, I really just want to just thank you so much for you know for making yourself available, man. I really appreciate you taking the time out. Again, it it's a it's an amazing story, and I'm glad that we have it because now it's something that you know a lot of recruiters can use it as a story. Like, listen, oh, you can't get your degree this guy got a doctorate. Um, and, it, and it's amazing because a lot of people think, oh, only stupid people join the military. Okay. Yes. Well, it's not the reality. Um, you know, and it's great just to know the things that you've done, the, the people that the lives that you've changed, you know, on the, on the recruiting side and on the drill instructor side. Um, but I just, again, man, I really thank you for your time and, and thank you for coming out. Do you have any last words or anything maybe that you want to say to anybody on recruiting duty, on drilling under duty, anyone that's just going through the shit right now, that any kind of words of wisdom or advice that you maybe want to give them as just like a, you know, something for them. Yeah, no, I would say um, just remember like why you're there and the impact that you're going to have those lives that they're going to change the recruiters. They're, they're going to change somebody's life. My recruit changed my life, you know, and look where I'm at now, but it would never have been possible if it was not for my recruiter who introduced me to it. Um, so remember who you put in the Marine Corps might be the next Gunnar Sergeant Flores, might be the next, you know, Dan Daly. So remember the impact that you're having on lives. Same thing as a drill instructor. You don't know who you're molding. Um, stick it out. And at the end, it's, it's, it's going to take, it's going to be very beneficial. Um, it sucks. We know it. Uh, you'll get through it, stay positive. And then if there's anything they can learn from me is the negative in your life, use that to, you know, produce something positive. And that's, that's what I've been doing. That's how I'm able to accomplish that. Uh, I know that.
No doubt, man. Well, thanks a lot, Gunny. I appreciate you coming out here, man. And I look forward to continuing to see your your development. And uh, I like that. I can't wait to see what the next thing is for you because I feel like there's just so much more. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I really appreciate it, Gunny. And, and have a good day. And thanks again. All right, my man. You guys have a good one.